Welcome to the Sovereign Soul Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Arzu Babri. In this community, we embark on a journey towards self-discovery in order to reclaim our sovereignty and live a life rich in connection, meaning, and purpose. Welcome back, everyone. I hope that you're all doing well. Before we begin, I want to apologize because there is so much construction going on outside. And if at any point it sounds like I'm screaming, it's because I'm having a very difficult time even hearing my own thoughts or voice. So with that, this week's episode topic was a request by a listener based on a comment that I had made in my last episode on social conditioning, where I had said that the modern changes in communication have created a gap in the cohesiveness of society and a lack of sense of community and moral support. And so my hope is to elaborate on this point in today's episode. So as per usual, I have broken this episode into different sections where we will take a close look at what communication even means, the various types and styles of communication, the neuroscience behind it, how it has evolved over time, and the implications of these changes on our society. Now, why this topic is important is because our communication styles have the power to help us form meaningful connections, which is the cornerstone of a fulfilling and purpose-driven life. So learning how to communicate effectively can help us to create strong and stable connections that help support our mental and physical health, lower rates of depression and anxiety, help us to live longer and support our overall performance and success. So let's cover the basics and then take a closer look at where there are cracks within the communication of our modern world and how we can become more effective communicators. So by definition, communication is a process by which information is exchanged between individuals through a common system of symbols, signs, or behavior. Now we all know how powerful our words can be and the advice that we give or receive from others can completely change the course of our lives. And because of this, I want to highlight some key points when it comes to communication. One is that communication is continuous because it involves sharing thoughts, ideas, and understandings and can influence future interactions as well. So this means that the timing or specific message that you share with someone can directly impact what happens to the information afterwards and how it affects both of you as well. The second point is that communication is transactional and circular because there is always an exchange that takes place in terms of someone giving a message, another person receiving it, and the feedback that follows as well. Now, where things tend to get complicated is that a message isn't always received in a linear manner. So the person listening is often interpreting the message that they hear according to their personal life circumstances and experiences. So this is where a lot of miscommunication, misguidance, or ineffective communication takes place. And the third point is that communication is also irreversible because once something is communicated, it cannot be undone. And the final point is that communication has a purpose because there is always a reason for the message in the first place. Now, most researchers believe that there are about four to five types of communication and the majority of communication is actually nonverbal. And it often includes body language at 55%, tone at 38%, and the actual words make up only 7% of our communication. 
So verbal communication is a type of communication that's very self-explanatory, but has many of its own subcategories as well. And an important one that I want to cover today is something known as metacommunication, which occurs when the words that you are hearing don't match the feeling or observation that you have made about the situation. And an example of this includes sarcasm, irony, metaphors, and puns. Now, this style of communication forces the receiver to look at the context and not just the words. And this is an important concept that I will return to later on in today's episode. Another form of communication is nonverbal communication. So again, this is body language, facial expressions, posture, eye contact, hand gestures, and touch. And there's also written communication, which includes letters, emails, and essays. And listening is actually a form of communication as well. And the final form of communication, type of communication that you will see explained in the literature is visual communication, which includes advertisements, memes, videos, and images. Now I've added in two more categories of my own because I believe that they are just as important. And the first one is self-dialogue. Now, this is the communication that we have 24 hours a day in our mind, where we are contemplating, thinking, planning, goal setting, and going over scenarios, whether that looks like daydreaming or even dreaming about them as well. And the reason why this is so significant is because our self-dialogue plays a direct role on our self-esteem, which determines how far we are willing to go in life. So if you speak down to yourself constantly, it's very unlikely that you will take action on your dreams or your goals. The second type of communication that I wanted to add in, which I believe is extremely important, but there is no reference to it when it comes to types of communication, is telepathy. Now, this is when you are thinking of someone and you suddenly get a call or text from them, or you haven't been doing well and a friend says that they had a dream about you or that you were on their mind. Now telepathy is in particular heightened between some mothers and their babies when they can often sense that a baby is awake or hungry without any visible cues and it's also present between friends, family members, and lovers as well. Now the depth of connection is directly correlated with the purity and authenticity of the bond because it comes down to a spiritual frequency. So the deeper the soul connection, the stronger the telepathy. And you often won't experience much telepathy if at a soul level, you don't have a deep connection with the other person. And it's also something that is naturally heightened in certain individuals who are clairsentient and have the ability to feel their environment very effectively. Now, those were just the types of communication. So moving on to communication styles, we have passive communication where the person may act indifferent or yielding. We have aggressive communication, which involves loud, demanding and intense uh, communication that often can be controlling or critical. We have passive aggressive, which is passive on the surface, but might involve muttering or the use of body language or facial expressions that relay a different message. And another form of passive aggressive communication is actually the silent treatment. And then there is assertive communication, which is open and expressive. And then there is submissive, manipulative, direct, or indirect. So depending on the source, there's a few different styles that you might run across in terms of the overall, the categories that are present in terms of communication styles. 
Now, the differences in communication styles are a result of many factors, but most notably our gender, cultural background, personality, and values. So for example, men communicate using factual information to solve problems and they use limited emotions versus females communicate to build relationships, collaborate, and listen. So they often use personal feelings, past experiences, experiences to relay those feelings as well. And women also use a wider range of pitch and tone and condense their body while men use fewer tones and expand their bodies uh, more, more so when they're communicating. And if we look at this through the lens of tradition, men were responsible for hunting and protecting while women were responsible for nurturing and creating. So if a tribe was under attack, the men were hardwired to make quick executive decisions for the safety of the tribe. And this is why they are hardwired to more easily override their emotions when it comes to communication, especially if they feel attacked. And I know we don't live in tribes anymore, but I'm highlighting this just to simply show the natural inclinations and inherent qualities when it comes to communication between the genders. Now, in terms of neuroscience, there are many regions of the brain involved in communication. And just to give you guys an idea, I will briefly mention the role of each region when it comes to communication in particular. So the frontal lobes are responsible for speech, thinking, decision-making, and our conscious experience of reality. And in particular, the Broca's area of the frontal lobes are involved in language formation. The parietal lobes integrate sensory information with attention and memory. And the angular gyrus of the parietal lobes helps us to understand words and concepts. The occipital lobes are involved in vision, which again is a very important component of communication. And the temporal lobes help us to process hearing and store long-term memory. Now, the Wernicke's area is an, a region of the brain that is responsible for word processing and sequencing to determine context and meaning. And then there's the anterior cingulate, which helps us in conflict resolution. And then the prefrontal cortex is the convergence zone for thought and feeling and is involved in emotional judgment. So in terms of communication, an example would be how we adjust our communication according to the person we are communicating with. So for example, we might communicate with a child very differently than we do with an adult, or some people actually communicate differently to someone that they view as an authoritative figure versus someone that they may judge as inferior to them. And one research study in particular found that patients with orbital frontal damage, so this is a part of the prefrontal cortex, displayed objectively inappropriate social behavior when it came to communication. So what the researchers found was that patients with serious injuries to the prefrontal cortex would tell strangers things even though they felt embarrassed about it afterwards. So from the study, they concluded that the orbital frontal cortex is involved in the interplay of self-monitoring and emotional processing and damages to the orbital frontal cortex impairs self-insight. So the key to remember when we are talking about neuroscience is that the brain is neuroplastic, which means that it is built to change in response to our experiences. So this can go both ways in that negative emotions can interfere with our cognitive ability and that social behavior can be learned. So moving into the more interesting part of today's episode, I want to cover the changes that we 
have observed that have taken place in communication over time. So one of the first documented methods of communication was cave paintings. And then from there, in particular, tribal communities relied on storytelling to pass down knowledge through the generations. So this form of communication was crucial in the survival of particular cultures. And then came carrier pigeons that would carry letters from various towns and villages. And then the postal system was established in 1660. And following that came the newspaper, radios, telegraph machine, and then the invention of the telephone in 1876, which changed society massively, and then followed television. And the biggest change was the development of the World Wide Web in the 1990s. So the internet. So with the internet came emails, text messaging, video calls, and social media. So with that in mind, what we can say about our modern communication is that it is a reflection of the values of the masses. And if we look carefully, we live in a world that is severely lacking in accountability, common decency, integrity, and honor, among other qualities. And it's almost as though people have forgotten the difference between what is honorable and what is distasteful, which results in people communicating in a very disrespectful manner. And something that I find is particularly heightened in our world today is that People are very entitled these days, and so if you look closely, communication styles have shifted towards more aggressive or passive-aggressive styles, with a lot of that meta-communication that I was talking about that involves this constant, sarcastic undertone, leaving most people feeling confused and very irritated. Now, to continue building on these points, we also live in a very complex and fast-paced world, so our communication style is a reflection of this as well, so it's often very quick, impulsive, and sometimes even superficial, because we have shifted from an era of writing poetry to express our feelings to a what-are-you-doing text that doesn't even involve words but acronyms instead. And to further complicate things, we also live in a world of access where everything is overdone and the simplicity of life has been forgotten. And this applies to people's eating habits, dating habits, careers, and lifestyles. And when something is overdone and accessible, it ends up being taken for granted. So we see a lot of people who have exhausted their efforts and are left feeling confused, disconnected, and alone. So think about this for a moment. The internet opened us up to mass communication with anyone across the world. And what we began to see more and more of were people lying about their identity, talking to others out of boredom, and forgetting the importance of in-person connection, where you can pick up on the overall vibe and the sense of the connection with the other person as well. And honestly, use your intuition as well, where you could sense if there was something wrong or if there was any red flags present. Because you had that ability to really tune into the connection in a uh, face-to-face setting. And so what happens is that most people either don't trust their instincts anymore because of this, because they may have felt that they have been let down so many times, or they make generalized statements like all men are this or all women are that. When in fact, there are tons of good people in this world, but most just seem to be walking around carrying big scars and an inability to communicate their feelings because they don't even know where it's stemming from. So dissecting this topic, we can see that our current style of communication has become very lazy and there is a lack of accountability, like I mentioned, which is huge. 
and we are slowly losing the art of effective communication. And I'm not saying that people of the past mastered communication in any by any means. I'm saying that with all the advances and opportunities we have present, instead of moving forward, we are continuing to regress. And on this whole accountability piece in the past, if you wanted to communicate a message to someone, let's say you wanted to end a relationship, you would have a conversation in person as a sign of respect. But now we live in a culture where the ceremonial end of a relationship is marked by never hearing from the person ever again. So imagine the damage people are causing one another, where most of the time people are left questioning themselves based on the actions of another person. And modern communication is also lacking major etiquette and respect. And I say this because I used to do a lot of hiring for my family's business for many years. And I had gotten to the point where I knew exactly who would be a reliable employee based on the emails they would send to apply for the job. And I'm sure most of you have either seen or heard similar stories, but you don't really need a degree to know that when you are sending an email for employment, there should be an introduction, some points, and then a conclusion instead of a what's the pay. And I remember reading some of these emails and thinking, who raised these kids? And the most common form of communication these days is text messaging. And one research study found that texting as a, has a negative impact on people's linguistic ability to interpret and accept words, and that traditional print media exposed people to variety and creativity in language. And from a mental emotional perspective, one of the most common errors that happens with texting is the misinterpretation of a text message and the emotions we add to it, given the absence of the physical presence of another human being. So there is often a lot of miscommunication that takes place with text messaging as well. And because text messaging is so widely used, the fact that we have this form of communication that gives us almost instant access to another human being is taken for granted. So let's say, for example, you have a friend who takes forever to respond to your messages or sometimes doesn't respond at all. And whenever they need something from you, they reach out and sometimes multiple times to try to reach you, which would leave any normal person feeling very... Um, undervalued, used, and unseen. And if we don't address this, it just builds up and we end up harboring a lot of resentment and eventually cutting these type of people out of our lives, which creates larger and larger gaps in society. And it's not all negative. For those who try their best to live a balanced life, text messaging can help some people break out of their comfort zone if they tend to be shy or even help to feel a sense of connection on days where they might not feel up for a face-to-face conversation. But the biggest piece is that online communication is creating a wider gap in terms of the depth of connection we can have with others because when we are in the presence of another human being, we can feel their emotions and feelings and connect on such a significantly more intimate level. So I think the that one of the main contributing factors to a sense of disconnection and loneliness is quite simply the way in which we communicate with one another. Now, if we were to dig a little bit deeper, the main issue isn't the advance in technology because even though we collectively have shifted towards a different type of communication, some people are still able to maintain a healthy and effective style of communication. So it's not necessarily the method that we use to communicate, 
but effective communication boils down to how well we express our message in the first place. Because our communication style is a learned behavior. And like I mentioned before, factors that influence this behavior include culture, family values, personal values, our level of emotional intelligence, society, which includes friends, colleagues, television, and music, our personality, and most importantly, the experiences that have shaped the meaning that we give to life. And as children, we absorb what we see in our environment and mimic it. And if we do this over and over, it becomes a habit. So our communication style is a result of our habitual patterns of behavior. And this is why people uh, take can take etiquette courses and completely change their communication styles. So depending on what style of communication you were exposed to growing up, that um, that is what you will subconsciously be drawn towards or have an aversion to depending on your relationship with your family. Now, something that I wanted to do additionally for today's episode is to cover some of the most influential factors that I believe have resulted in this shift in communication styles. And the first is the change in family structure. So with the rise in single parent households and the need for two incomes to survive, we either have one parent missing altogether or both parents completely distracted with providing a life for their family. And what we see happening with these scenarios is that kids are often left to raise themselves and there is a significant lack in what we would see traditionally as a rite of passage that would take place in order to help initiate a shift into adulthood. So how we see this reflected in our society is adults that never really grew up and still exhibit childish behavior as a result of deeply rooted parental wounds that further result in resentment, suffering, and an inability for self-expression and effective communication. Now, these settings also created a sense of hyper-independence where people end up relying on their own limited life experiences to make major decisions in life that traditionally required a lot of community and social support. So this is what I mean by changes in communication trickling down to lack of cohesiveness in society because most people have lost the art of effective communication. And if they rely on their circle of friends for resolving issues that actually are stemming from childhood, it ends up being a scenario of the blind leading the blind and people feel stuck and disempowered because they can't seem to move past their own limitations. Now, before we had an entire community of people to support us. So if you wanted to talk about something, you had a group of people to select from that could relate to your concerns or impart some words of wisdom because they had many more years of experience to share. But nowadays, Because both parents are working and there is no sense of community, the main source of behavioral education are daycares, schools, televisions, and social media. And most children feel disconnected, abandoned, and neglected on a deeply subconscious level. And this is what I believe has contributed to the significant decrease in respectful communication. Kids feel like they have to raise themselves and aren't interested in establishing a connection with their parents or understanding them in the first place. The second influential factor is our distracted culture because everyone is either constantly working, staying busy, living in the moment, or distracted with by watching nonsense videos, which perpetuates the state of confusion where many people don't contemplate the bigger questions in life because they are too busy pretending to be someone else online. 
And because we have advanced so much, almost every person has access to a smartphone, TV, and other devices. So the most common thing we see today is kids locking themselves in their rooms with these devices and completely disconnecting from their families. So just to compare, consider how years ago there was one family TV that was shared. So this helped create a sense of family connection to come together and watch something without other stimuli or distractions. If you had company, you came out of your room and you understood proper etiquette of saying hello and introducing yourself in comparison to nowadays where kids isolate themselves so much that they can't even effectively communicate or hold a conversation with others. And furthermore, parents tend to give their children various devices to to help keep them quiet. And these kids are constantly stimulated and getting a dopamine rush, rush which is creating this addictive behavior. So when these devices devices are taken away, they have a temper tantrum. And what makes things worse is that parents don't know how to effectively communicate with their children. So it's this vicious cycle that just keeps on repeating. And the third and final point that I want to cover with you guys today is the mass loss of identity. Because if you don't know who you are and what you have to offer, how are you supposed to communicate your needs with others? And like I mentioned, 93% of our communication is nonverbal. So each and every one of us expresses ourselves through different means. And if you don't understand yourself or others, you might as well be speaking a different language. So this all goes back to self-discovery, understanding how you communicate in love, in friendship, in professional settings, what types of communications you appreciate most in others as well are really, really important uh, first steps. Now, with all of that in mind, I want to wrap up today's episode by sharing a few tips in terms of working towards more effective ways of communicating. So communication is effective when the sender and the receiver are both left feeling satisfied. And for communication to be effective, there needs to be emotional intelligence where you are able to self-regulate and also pick up on social cues to meet the other person where they are at. There needs to be clarity and concise messaging so that you are getting directly to the point without confusing yourself or the other person. There needs to be a level of honesty and self-assurance so that you are not internalizing someone else's behavior as a reflection of your worth. There needs to be empathy and respect. This is really, really important where you are being sensitive, respectful, and open-minded about the beliefs, values, and customs of others. And obviously a very important part of effective communication is also listening, listening to understand and not just to respond. I see this happening far too often where people are just waiting for the person to take a breath so that they can say the most relevant thing or make a generalized statement. Instead, what we need to do is Focus on the speaker and provide meaningful feedback. And if you don't have any feedback, make that clear. You don't need to speak for the sake of speaking. And also a really, really important thing is to set aside judgments and be genuinely interested in the person who is speaking as well. Because like I mentioned, there is an exchange and circular nature to communication. So don't interrupt or redirect the conversation in any way because this leaves the other person feeling very disrespected and undervalued. Another important point is to pay attention to nonverbal signals as well, because someone may be telling you that they're okay, but clearly they are not and may need some encouragement. So just paying attention to those subtle cues that people communicate nonverbally as well. And something that's very interesting is that the primary processing centers of the brain for speech and comprehension and emotion are located 
in the left brain and because the left side of the brain is connected to the right side of the body, the right ear can help to better pick up on emotions within speech. Now with all of these points in mind, some really important first steps in terms of working towards effective communication is to begin to learn to accept others for who they are as long as their behavior is obviously not abusive or harmful in any way and recognize the differences in how people communicate and try to understand them because if people could just learn to communicate effectively this would help resolve a lot of issues between couples family members and various other relationships as well and as always the first and most important step to anything, including learning to communicate effectively, starts with self-realization and effective self-expression. And with that, let's move right into this week's episode prompts. Prompt number one is, what are my preferred type and style of communication? Prompt number two, why am I drawn to this type or style of communication? And prompt number three, in what ways can I improve my communication so that it is more effective? All right, friends, thank you so much once again for joining me on another episode of the Sovereign Soul podcast. And a big thank you to the listener who reached out requesting this week's topic. I hope that this encourages the rest of you to feel free to reach out whenever if you would like me to elaborate on certain points or if there's any topics that you are interested in learning more about, I would be happy to share Um, and dedicate an episode to you guys. So as always, I hope this week's topic resonated. Feel free to share it with your family and friends, and I will connect with you guys in a future episode.